Clergy are known for doing lots of good things, but if you ask my staff, you will know that one of them, it's not my staff, but the staff of the church here, you will know that one of those things that we're not great at is paying attention to details. And so um, this is one of those things that happens sometimes as the wrong gospel gets read. Um, but you're going to get two gospel readings tonight, lucky you. Um, you've heard the, the classic Christmas story from Luke. Um, there's also this much shorter account in Matthew. If we've got it, Carrie, maybe we can throw it up on the screen. But if you all just listen carefully, and if you have your Bibles or have a Bible on your phone, this is a great time to pull it out. Um, Matthew, the first chapter, beginning at verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being, just, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, as he did, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise the Lord Christ. <clears throat> well, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Um, we've gotten quite a few Christmas cards this year, as I'm sure uh, many of you have, and we love seeing them. Um, we see faces that we've not seen perhaps in a year or more. We get updates on how everybody is doing, and we decorate, at least for a time, our kitchen with the Christmas cards of our beloved friends and family. We have a Christmas card. You haven't gotten it yet, but it exists, I assure you. And we were talking about that the other night, and it's got, imagine this, so if you don't know me, I've got six kids, and in our Christmas card, they're all smiling at the same time, in the same direction. <laughs> Behind them is a beautiful maple tree, and it's full fall foliage, it is bright red. It might be one of the best Christmas card photos I've ever seen for our family. Y'all all have much beautiful, more beautiful ones, but, but our family, this was a good one. But we were talking about it the other night, my wife and I, and we, we asked this question. What if at the same time that our camera was taking this picture, we could have the selfie camera turned back, taking a picture of what was happening behind us? You know what you would see? You would see my mother-in-law with two giant bags of Oreos bribing our children <laughs> to look at the camera and to smile. Or if you could see the photos a few frames before or a few frames after, you would see hair being pulled, you would see crying because they don't want to be in the picture, you would see goofing off, you would see all of these things, and somehow right there in the middle, we got the one, and hopefully many of y'all will be seeing that in the next 12 days. Have you ever thought about Mary and Joseph's first Christmas card? Bear with me, obviously, they didn't have one, but, but what if they did? 
gathered together around the manger with the baby Jesus, smiling for sure, but, but it's the nervous smile, right, of a first-time parent. But what if we could peek just for a moment behind the scene, behind the smiles? What would we see? You know this story well. Perhaps you know it too well. Perhaps you know it so well that its power and its impact and the implications of it get lost on you. Mary, the virgin, is betrothed to Joseph. Betrothed is um, perhaps even a stronger word than what we would use to to describe somebody as engaged. This ends up being even a, a binding engagement, a betrothal. But they're not married. They're betrothed. And our scripture says that Mary is found to be with child. She's pregnant, and she's not married. And in those days, that, friends, was a scandal. In fact, Mary could have been punished by death, death by stoning. But Joseph was a just and righteous man, and he wasn't willing to shame or even put his wife to death. And so he resolved quietly that he would, he would simply divorce her. He would save as much of his honor as he could and be on his way, and Mary could go on her way. Into these circumstances, the Lord speaks to Joseph. He says, do not be afraid. You heard it in Luke's reading, right? To the shepherds, the angels speaking to them, do not fear. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Her child is conceived by the Holy Spirit, and he will be called Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And so Joseph, rather than divorcing Mary, and and certainly not putting her to shame or even to death, agrees to take her as his wife. They continue on, and they set out from Nazareth to Bethlehem to be counted for the census that was going on. In those days, what would we see behind the Christmas card? It's interesting to note that as both Mary and Joseph, in in different settings, accept God's work in their lives and, and they obediently go along with this plan, they are taking on a lot of shame and disgrace. They're bringing shame and disgrace on themselves even as they follow God. Can you imagine their return to Nazareth some years later? The whispers about their beloved Jesus. The whispers about his parents. The whispers about who his real father was. The fact is, Mary and Joseph in their lifetime knew none of the honor that we now give to them. They probably knew much of shame and disgrace. And as they smile nervously with their son at the manger, there's certainly some fear behind that. But still, there must be, right, there must be some surpassing hope that would cause Mary and Joseph to follow the Lord as they did. And of course, it's all tied up in the Lord's message to Joseph that night and in that dream. This isn't just any child. This is the Messiah. 
This is the Son of God. This is the one that the world has been waiting for. The one that Israel is hoping and expecting to redeem them once and for all. The child is known by two names in our narrative this evening. One is Jesus, as you know. Jesus means the Lord saves. And the other is Emmanuel from Isaiah's prophecy, meaning God with us. And so here we have in this child, in this seemingly illegitimate, shame-inducing child, we see the hope of the world. In this child, God is coming to dwell among his people and to save them from their sins. And so we see in this first Christmas a sense of shame, fear, This shame and fear coupled with hope and joy. And I think if we're honest with ourselves tonight, that we come to Christmas with a similar paradox of emotions, right? That Christmas, for all of its joy and for all of its hope, can be a place of sadness and despair, of shame and guilt and fear. And too often we cover the shame and fear with joy, right? We replace these these emotions that we feel like we're not supposed to have. We replace them with a joyful facade and a Christmas card smile. But what if we could look through our Christmas cards and into our hearts? What would we see then? I think we would see Christmas coming to us in many ways the same way it came to Mary and Joseph. I think we would see an intermingling of hope and joy with fear and shame and regret. I think we would see people feeling guilty about what they've missed, what they've left behind, of chances that have come and gone and cannot be reclaimed, of relationships falling apart, of time missed with our spouse or our children, of friends that we've not seen and now we're separated by distance and perhaps even death. Or sometimes we come to Christmas and maybe we're missing a part of ourselves. Maybe there's a distant memory of something about this time of year that once made us feel so alive and so joyful. But now we've lost it and we just can't get it back. And so we come to Christmas with a flicker of hope once held that is now long gone. Friends, Christmas cards can only tell us one part of the story this time of year. But when we peer through them, we find that many of us carry the same shame, the same fear, and the same uncertainty that Mary and Joseph had on that very first Christmas night. And yet we come anyhow. You're here. Praise God. Many of you are here as part of your regular devotions, week in and week out, you're here at church. And some of us, you haven't been in a church in a long time. You're not sure why you're here. Maybe it's nostalgia. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's just simply what you do on Christmas. But all that is beside the point. The fact is that we're here. And we're here because even in the midst of our fear, even in the midst of our shames and our regrets, in this manger, in this child, is something more. Something more powerful than the fear, more powerful than the shame. This is the infant 
who carries the hopes and fears of all the years, right? They're met in him tonight. This baby, Jesus, was born in scandal. And friends, he would die in shame. He would die the death of a common criminal upon a cross. But there's something about him. Why? Because he's Jesus. The Lord saves. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Because God became man in Jesus, in this infant lying in a manger, so that men and women might be reconciled to God. So that those regrets might be reconciled, that guilt might be washed away, and that shame may be turned into honor. And so that the shame and the regret and the sin that we carry on our hearts tonight might be redeemed on the cross. And so that the consequences of our constant turning from God might be pardoned for the sake of Christ. And so I'm guessing that most of us are here tonight with a mixture of hope and and shame or regret or guilt. And I'd like to leave you with this. Christmas is not for the joyful. Christmas is for the lost, for the afraid, for the shamed, and for the guilty. Christ came to bring joy to those who have it not, and to bring reconciliation to those who are far off. And it is my prayer that if this describes you, and, and it does, every one of us in this room is shamed, guilty, or fearful. If this describes you, I pray that you would seek that child in a manger. That you would seek that Christ who died on the cross. Because, friends, the peace that you seek is here. The peace that you seek is laying as a baby in a manger. The reconciliation you seek is nailed to a cross. And the salvation that we all need is found in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let us pray.